I do not buy dreams. I sell them. about my guest today, my guest, my good friend, my brother, the most famous person out of Cincinnati, at least maybe top five, top ten. I don't know if you, I, I think Carmen Electra still has you beat. Matt Tomo Michael, how you doing, brother? Yo, what up, bro? I'm doing very well, man, and to start this thing off, man, preference right now, rapid fire, big city or small market? A big city or small market? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm going to go with small market. Small market. Cincinnati kid, man. Why does corporate exist in Cincinnati and not in a New York or L.A.? Because you got to do it for where you're from, man. You got to take pride in that. Why is that important? Huh? Why is that important to you? Uh, I think it's important to me just because I want somebody else to go further. So, I, But you have to see an example of that, right? So hopefully somebody can, you know, take this further than I can. Or do more than what I could. Did you have an example that you saw early on? Uh, as far as an example, I would say I saw like uh, Devereaux, which was uh, you know locally owned, um, grew into be a nice amount of stores for a chain. Um, but yeah, that I mean that was Cincinnati homegrown, right? Absolutely. So that was my example of uh, small business. Okay. Now, in regards to a career, in regards, you know, sneaker culture and, and how that, have you seen that evolve over the past 20 or so years? When you first came into this passion, I won't even say obsession, you know, for sneaker culture, what drew you to that initially? Uh, it was just all about, like, you know, following Michael Jordan and having that example. And then it kind of just involved in my thing. You know, we played basketball growing up, so it just went from there. Uh, basketball, uh, on court, to being off the court, and then just kind of being my style as well. I was just always into sneakers. So, so even taking it a step further, because it was beyond just stylistically the aesthetic. What got you interested in the business aspect of sneaker culture, and ultimately leading to leading you to where you are now and owning your own brand? Okay, um, I mean just figuring out what was after basketball you know uh everybody knows those very low statistics of you know it's only a slim chance that you make it to the next level and then you know even to the professionals so just thinking like how could i still be around the game how could i still be around um things that i i've loved growing up like you said being passionate about and just you know trying to figure out my my lane and my my angle to to life Mm. I do have a question for you in regards to Jordan Brand. Would you say that that is the, I would say, most influential or I don't even know if I could say, um, maybe most popular would probably be the best way to word it. Most popular uh, sneaker brand that's identified in urban culture? Uh, uh, yeah, I think you're, you know, you're right with that. You know, there's always times where other brands have their moments, but I mean, you know, for a longevity run, you're looking at a brand that's done it, what, 35 years almost? So, yeah, I mean, they've done it longer than we've been alive. So, What's been so unique about that? Because again, Jordan, somebody who's retired, you know, almost two decades ago, I think we're at 15 years now since he last played competitively. What has it been in regards to that staying power that's allowed for him to have this longevity? I think just 
being able to, you know, be passed down. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, they want their kids to wear Jordans or, you know, now even players on court, such as like the Jordan athletes, you got Kimball Walker, um, Jason Tatum, uh, Blake Griffin, uh, Victor Oladipo, and CP, Mello even. I mean, you know, you got guys that still relate um, to, to the kids at the next level. You know, guys that they've seen or continue to see on court wearing the brand. So it's just kind of, you know, taking on a life of its own after that, uh, that final retirement. Do you think there will ever be a player who will have a more marketable brand than Jordan or successful brand uh, than Jordan? Uh, I mean, in all honesty, I don't. Uh, just because there was a lot of, you know, first for Michael Jordan and even Nike with everything that he went through. You know, we didn't have social media. We didn't have speculation. You, had, you, you know, like, it was kind of like the perfect storm, I think, and in terms of just the way that it worked out. You know, there were moments that were created. There were moments that people were always watching. And, you know, that's what kind of um, made it authentic and made, makes it just so much different than what you see now with, you know, even LeBron or whoever, you know, somebody might idolize. You know, it's kind of, it's just a little different, man. But I think it just, it was just all timing. In regards to marketability and being, you know, in that top spot as far as the highest selling sneaker in the NBA, who holds that top position right now? Man, it's really tough to say. I mean, only from like what I see in my shop, I would kind of go off of like Kyrie is probably the guy that's kind of leading the way right now. Um, you know, you got athletes like Paul George, Giannis just got a new signature shoe this year. LeBron, obvious. Um, and then you got, uh, let's see, Paul jo Paul George. Did I mention him? Yes, with Nike. Uh, okay, yeah. So Paul George, Giannis, LeBron, and then you got kind of like Kobe trailing off. But then you know, from other brands, you got like Damian Lillard just trying to make a push. Um, dang, buddy in uh, Utah, uh, Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, him with Adidas, James Harden with Adidas, but it's like. None of those three really I ever see, you know, making making some strides in that category. So I would say it's by Kyrie right now with this, you know, being able to be worn off the court and still looking fresh on court. Like he kind of has this thing rolling right now. And so for myself, right, I, I would never consider myself in regards to being a sneakerhead, but I always had this fascination in regards to Nike because I never quite understood why so many of the top names would all flock to one brand. Like at no point in time did it ever feel as if, you know, a certain campaign could take away from the attention of another player's campaign. I mean, I, yes and no. I, I mean, yeah, you're probably right about that in some aspects. That's why, like, James Harden left you know, to go to Adidas or whatever. But, I mean, you just got to think, like, in, in the reality, if you're competitive, right, you want to be in the best. It's like, still, Nike has proven, like, hey, we're going to figure it out. We're going to, you know, what the athlete needs or wants, it's going to be incorporated. And it's just going to be like, you know, that's why you would go there, regardless of who's there, what's there, what's going on, you know. You gotta, you gotta still roll with what's gonna be able to hold up for years, you know, or whatever your 
you know, your timeline looks like. Now, speaking in regards to the era of the, the independent athlete, the athlete that is also the business person, um, will we see more attempts? I know we saw Starberry. We saw a uh, big baller <laughs> brand recently. But will we see that player who successfully creates their own, you know, shoe deal, shoe line? I don't know, man. I just think that financially it costs a lot, man. It costs a lot to, you know, create these these shoes and, you know, actually have a product that goes to market and, you know, can kind of compete and live uh, with with Nike, <laughs> you know. So it's just, I don't know, man. I don't, personally, I don't think that that's a good call. Um, but you never know, man. You know, there's always that one guy that can, you know, make the impossible happen, right? Absolutely. Now, what has always been the tie-in with sneaker culture and hip-hop? Uh, I guess just like, you know, the, the most influential people, we look at them like, what are they wearing? And, you know, it kind of goes from there. You know, you had times where it, it was cool to wear Reebok because Jay said, hey, you know, S-dots on my feet, you know, and, and you got other guys that, you know, who was it? It was 50. It was Steve Stout leading that whole movement. It was you know, guys understanding that they were influential and taking advantage of of it, you know. You got, like, Tyler, the creator, you know, um, musically, he, he's pretty influential. And that transitioned to a great Converse deal. Um, you know, that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, you know, before his latest drop, I would have said Pusha T was, you know, pretty influential with Adidas. And then, you know it kind of went downhill. So, I mean, it's just a lot of different angles that, you know, music musicians can take. They just got to, you know, make it do what it's supposed to do and be organic. So what happened with the recent Pusher release? It just didn't work, man. I think it, you know, it felt like it was just something that they put out there. Didn't feel like it had, you know, a great story, had some odd colors and just, you know, it wasn't a, a natural fit. It felt forced. And I think, you know, the guys that supported the last couple, they were just like, eh, this one I can sit out on. So. What would you say has been the most, uh, I would say, influential in regards to their sneaker style in hip-hop? Uh, you got, I mean, you know me, and now I'm jaded, man, but, you know, you got to easily give that one to Kanye. Yeah. I mean, you got to think, you know, he took it from being about, you know, oh, this is for the early adopter, the influencer, and now, you know, his issues reach the soccer moms through big sporting goods stores. It's just different, man. Yeah. Now, what do you see in regards to the creative expression in sneakers that have changed over time? Because we hear it in hip-hop, right? The sound and how it changes, yeah. you know, just in the time that we've been alive, right? And, yeah. you know, now with sneakers and, and of all this creativity that we pour into it, what are you seeing in the expression that has evolved over time? think it's okay to be risky uh like you know you got people collaborating with brands all over the place and not just you know at nike or jordan it's kind of like you know uh even down to puma Puma's doing a lot through hip-hop um obviously you know this jay-z's plan and it's working for them to some extent um you know all the way down to late great nipsey hustle just is it's different man and you know people aren't just stuck like hey i can only work with them no i'm gonna work with you know who 
who or what makes sense. And that's pretty cool. Now, I mean, we're, we're on the subject of hip hop right now. If you could give me top five MCs right now. Oh, man. Five? You can go honorable mention if we're going to go six men to keep with the basketball theme, too. So you can get five in the yeah. six men. But who would really be comparable to Lou Will right now? Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty crazy. Um, Bane the Butcher, obviously Jay Z. Um, dang, Benny, Benny J. Uh, Common, still. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. Probably Ross, and then I'm gonna go J. Uh, Pusha T or J. Cole. Did you just shut out the West Coast? With, with who? Did you just shout out the West Coast on your uh top five I, and the six man? I did. Just, oh. You know, right now, right now, yeah. Because you know, obviously Kendrick is brewing, but he's not out. Right? Oh, so. Okay. All right. All right. That that uh, okay. Loophole in regards to him, yeah. Because clearly yeah, he's yeah. in album mode right now, so he's kind of yeah, down he, in the hole. He's coming. I mean, you know, when Kendrick is is playing, then we already know what time it is. You know, he, he's definitely, um, you know, can take it there. All right, well, let's let's stay with hip-hop, man, because recently I got a text message from you saying, hey, man, uh, what was it, March 3rd, 2020, coming to Louisville, Kentucky, uh, yeah, Master man. P and the No Limit All-Stars. Yeah. I got excited. I said, you know what? I still cut grass listening to No Limit. I would love to see them in concert. <laughs> so I'm already thinking in my head, yo, concert with Measy. Three days later, I get a text from Matt with a link that just says, Master P and the No Limit Soldiers booed off stage in Denver. Yeah, that's sad. I don't think I've taken, listen, there's very few things I snatch off the calendar so quickly. I don't think I even responded to you before I snatched it off the calendar. Now I know, man. It's sad. It's sad. It's um, it's super sad because you know, like when you see somebody that was just like, oh man, he was so great, and then you you revisit those moments and you're like, really, like, man. Um, did I like this because it was just comical? Did I like this because it was whatever? Um. I will tell you this though, and it's it's crazy because I went to a DMX show, and I would say it was probably 2008, right? Mm, okay, so this wasn't Prime X then. No, not at all, not at all. But man, that was probably one of the best live shows I've ever seen. Down to, I mean, everything that he put into it. Um. It, it was crazy, and it was only for about, I would say, maybe a hundred people. Yeah. Like literally, that's how how low the attendance was. But to this day, that's probably top three performances I've seen live. Um, you know, I, I, my top three is Jay Z at the Barclays Center the last night that they opened up. I, I got to see that show. DMX at this like this no name place. And then uh, Kanye glow in the dark. Those were the t those are my top three. Like dead serious. Yeah, man, I, I don't think No Limit has anything on those top three. So I was about to say, if you create your ultimate ticket of a show opener, opener, middle act, headliner, who would you organize it based off of your experience seeing them live? Okay, um, 
I would open up with my boy Jarrell. He's a great artist. Uh, I love every, you know, his performances are dope. I, you know, I've had the pleasure of, like seeing kind of some of the behind the scenes to that. So I would open with Jarrell. Um, I'll probably pass it to like an R&B um, artist, probably like BJ Chicago Kid, um, just because he, I think he's incredible. Um, great projects. And I've heard that he does a live show that's amazing as well. Um, then I pass it to something crazy just to, to mix it all up. Uh, and again, probably Pusha T will probably jump in there just because his live performances are pretty dope. And then uh, I will ultimately finish with like Jay just because who else you going to finish with right now? All right. I want to, because now I'm just like, all right, because I'm, I'm trying to stay out of like the mode right now because yeah. <laughs> yeah. i wanted to just like you know do a straight interview but once we start talking hip-hop so who was the best nba team in the 90s to not win a championship between the 1994 new york knicks and the 1995 orlando magic oh, oh man i would have to go to knicks honestly because man the magic they tricked that off so bad they got swept <laughs> like yeah, that hurt. That's, I mean, if you're really that great, you're not letting that happen, man. I don't care what type of ill fate you have. That was just, that's not, no. That, that's, no, you don't bring that effort four straight nights in the NBA Finals. No. Did so, Mike, Mike never got swept, right? Early Mike never got swept. I don't believe so, man. And, yeah, we might have to go back into the archives and double check, but I don't believe he ever got swept. Because I was just thinking in my head in the Pantheon of Greats, like I felt like it was a rite of passage. Maybe not always in the finals, but at some point in time, like you know Shaq obviously got swept. Kobe got swept early on by Utah and the Spurs in his career. LeBron's been swept. Like it's happened, at least with the you know more recent of the champions before. I guess KD hasn't. At least he got five games in with the early Thunder. But like I say, in any way, I digress. But, you know, it, I don't think it ever takes away, you know, from their greatness. And thankfully, Shaq rebounded. But, like, those Knicks teams or even, like, the Hornets teams with Zoe and Larry Johnson, like, you know, there were teams that had some dogs on them that just didn't have the opportunity to win a championship or they were never shown on that stage. So they kind of get forgotten. And so, you know, I don't know. Like, I still go back and look at some of that, man. Now, if the OKC never traded James Harden, man, and say they traded Russell Westbrook instead, does KD win a championship in OKC with James Harden? I believe so, man. I believe they would have got it done. I think, um, you know, James Harden can get you a little bit further, but he always needs somebody at the end, right? right. And I think KD would have been that guy, man. Because... Like, come on, man. I don't care if you didn't like KD as a Golden State Warrior. You knew what he was about. Oh, yeah, man. I, th I think that was more or less, uh, that was a mutually beneficial partnership. It didn't ring with the same type of sentiment that, like, D-Wade and LeBron's partnership was. Because, obviously, <laughs> KD and Steph and those guys never really had that relationship. I think it was just unfortunate the way that it ended. Because it always yeah. just felt like a business thing. So it was hard to really celebrate it unless you were a part of that fan base. But it yeah. definitely, it let, at least I feel KD will get his just due now when it's all said and done. Yeah. I 
know, um, you remember, obviously, everybody remembers the Shaq and Kenny documentary. Right. Where they literally had to sit down and be like, man, we, we shouldn't have did that. I think you'll, you'll see that from other guys as well. You know, people, maybe not literally come out and say that, but they'll allude to it. I think, you know, the guys now, their pride's a little bit different. It's set up in a way that they can't admit that. But I, I would say, you know, you got to you gotta some, someday be able to sit down and say, man, what if? Because, <laughs> honestly, you got Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. Yeah. Like, that, that, you know, lightning struck three times for the Thunder. Like, yeah, it did. Come on, man. And I feel like at times that that organization doesn't get the the criticism. Well, I think in certain circles it does. I know Bill Simmons goes pretty hard at them, but, you know, they really got a pass in regards to how they botched that situation and who they chose to keep over home. You know, but yeah, yeah you know, you think about star pairings like that, not only, you know, going back there, but even going back to, you know, you go back to KG and draft night in regards to Ray Allen and Steph being traded for each other and, you know, the partnerships that could have been Shaq in regards to, you know, him and Chris Webber being partnered up, you know, but them trading Penny Hardaway, you know, for Chris Webber. Um, so, you know, those near partnerships and you wonder how it could ultimately have changed the course of, you know, history, you know, for players who ended up ringless versus with rings. Yeah, but it's almost like, you know, it's kind of weird because and what you just mentioned the Ray Allen um, Steph thing, man. But they got it right in Boston, so it's kind of like it's kind of cool to see that. And now I kind of look back on that. I'm like, man, that that's really a dope moment there. Absolutely. You know, it actually happened, and they don't have that. Well, you know, I don't think that they're very they're on the best of terms, but you know, they don't have to ask themselves, you know, what if uh, they know what what. It turned into, and that was the championship. All right, last basketball question. We're getting back into the sneaker game, man. What is it, because you've been out there in New York, what is it about the climate around the Knicks versus the climate around the Nets that allows for the <laughs> Nets to bring in a KD and a Kyrie? Man, like, what, like, what did KD say? He said, nobody remembers the Knicks' glory, man. Like, And that's a true statement. Like, Unless you're 30... Man, I'm 33. Like, unless you're about my age, you're not remembering when the Knicks were actually good. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not, like, think about it. Like, what, what year was uh, Darius Baisley? He's what, 19? They haven't been good since he's been around. Well, yeah. no, 99 finals run in the lockout shortened season. Man, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people have, but yeah. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, that's just that's crazy that he. They're dead serious with that, man. Like, it ain't, <laughs> it ain't as sweet as it was. I mean, but think about that, dog. Latrell Sprewell led a team to the NBA Finals, man. Man, people forget how cold he was, man. And that's why I go hard at James Harden, man. Because I'm like, bro, Sprewell led the Knicks. And I get it. It was like a short, you know, lockout shortened season. Yeah, I don't remember because that was right after MJ retired for the second time. So I guess the East wasn't clearly as strong as it had been in years past. Shaq wasn't in it anymore. But, but still, nonetheless, the Trail Wells led his team to a finals. T Mac never did. Should T Mac be in the Hall of Fame? And then I promise this is the last NBA question. I promise. So should he be in the Hall of Fame over? <laughs> all right. All right. That was, that was super hot, Takey. I might even edit that. 
Yeah, that'll be an edit, man. That's gonna end up on a cutting room floor. Don't even worry about that. See, because we about to jump right nah, back. Man, you, gotta, you gotta keep it in there. You gotta, you gotta get it going. <laughs> you know, you shoot, shoot from the free throw line. You airball. Yeah, like that, man. It just happens. Yeah, yeah. It just happens, right. I'll man. hold that one, man. That wasn't one of my best moments. I won't, I won't even. You know, I'll just I'll take that L. That's fine. Hey, life happens. Life comes at you very fast. Hey, man. I just got crossed up, dog. I got to get back up and play defense, though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> hey, so, oh so for you, in regards to putting your stamp on sneaker culture, what do you feel that you've provided thus far? And what are you formulating in your mind to present further down the road? Well, you know, we finally got the, the, the collaboration kind of off our back. Like, you know, everybody's been asking for it for literally 11 years and finally came to retail this year with the, you know, the Chris Paul CP3, um, 12, which man, just, you know, super cool moment. But now it's like, how do you top that? And how do you, you know, do it in the even bigger way that like, you know, a guy in Louisiana or Lexington or New York, Philadelphia, Atlanta, you know, just these markets get a hold of that product too, because that's, you know, then you're solidified. Then you're like, hey man, I did it my way and it worked, you know, in, in major markets. Like, how do you get to that point, you know? Now, what's aided in helping make uh, sneaker culture so global? Because now, you know, we even look at athletes who have signature brands overseas, you know. Obviously, yeah. Kobe's presence over in China, if I'm not mistaken. But D Wade has a line out there, as well as Clay yep. Thomas, uh, Thompson, excuse me. And then not only that, but I do remember Zion was offered what a hundred and thirty million dollar contract with Lee Ning. He ended up taking the thirty three million dollar deal with Jordan Brand. But you know, what do you think in regards to players having these international brands? It just shows, you know, their authentic partnerships. Can, can happen, they can formulate and you know, have some success. Like, man, who would have thought D-Wade and Lee Ning would be where it's at now? That's super cool, like, because it's just their thing, it's homegrown, it's, it's you know, going about it, small, you know, steady, and not trying to hit a home run and then, you know, not being able to recatch that fire. It's just like, that's cool to me, man. Hey, do your thing. If you guys want to build it in a slow way and make it happen like and that's super cool like it ain't it ain't all messed up just to be oh well we you know we were hot for a season like under armor you know it's it, just do it the right way man team up with the right people work with the right partnerships that make sense for everybody and just go about it that way it's cool that sounded kind of better that under armor just now man oh crazy? man yo under armor and new balance only two brands out I do not like, man. I I am not feeling them, and I probably will never. As as long as there's other options, other options will be will be the ones that I will go with. But man, those those two, boy, jokers. What would be your dream collaboration? Um, how about I let me ask this now because that's too broad. What would be your yeah. dream collaboration if you could collaborate with one artist, and what would be your dream collaboration if you could collaborate with one athlete? Oh, why you gotta do the artist one? Um, why not? 
Mm. You international Measy, bro. It's you. Yeah, alright. Uh, if I could do one with one artist. <laughs> Dang, that's a tough one, man. Um, Little Italy? Yeah, you, nah, you gotta go with Jay, man. You gotta figure that out. Because, you know, um, for him to be from Brooklyn or whatever, it's like, how do you make sure that there's a tie-in that makes sense for both parties? That would be a dream collaboration because at that point I know my an idea would have to be of a crazy magnitude to create such a thing. So there's that. Uh, athlete, I'll work with Chris again because you know it is a natural process. It was super cool. It's it's super fun. You know, um, I think there's a lot more that went into it than just ah, oh, that's my boy. Nah, like that's a dude that I see. Works so hard. I see him, you know, take routes that a lot of people wouldn't. And I think that that's honorable. You know, it's honorable when you're, you know, you're as good as you are and people don't acknowledge it or people don't want to accept why you're the way you are. But you continue to, you know, be your best and try to be better and. You know, I think that, that kind of is the way that I am, too, with running a business. It's like, man, people don't understand it, but it's not for people that don't want to take the time to understand it. It's for people that, you know, trust and believe this thing is good. If you if you do that, then you're going to be a corporate fan. But if, if you're not going to take the time, then, I mean, you're not giving me a shot. That's okay. Like, I just have to do what I have to do for people that you know, are, are from my community that, that trust and believe this thing. So when you first manifested corporate in your mind, what did you envision for it? <laughs> Man, uh, I envisioned so much for it and I did not come through with any of it. Really? Explain. Um, you have this vision, right? And you're like, Oh, this is so great. Like I'm killing it. I'm about to kill it. And then, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, financially or, just you're just not getting the opportunities that you want or whatever. It just didn't it didn't equal. You know, I was talking so much about like what I wanted, how big I wanted, and I just couldn't I couldn't get it. And then, you know, three years went by and we got a little bit better. Three years went by, I gained more confidence and three years went by and I got even better. And then, you know, to where I'm at now, it's just like I didn't understand that the process was gonna be this way, but I respect it now, man. I respect what what it takes to, you know, even open a door or even, you know, try to have this dream. So the way that I'm succeeding now is just because I think that I have so much respect for things that I didn't, you know, that I took for granted. What was your worst first day as the CEO of corporate? <laughs> oh, you mean when, when I realized that I was in a plaza? that had Subway and a chiropractor on the other side of me. <laughs> that, that was probably my worst. And then, you know, there were, there were a couple of worst times. Um, I was recently talking to one of my friends um, that also is in the business, and he was just reminding me of, man, I remember I came to your store, and it was like green and orange. And I was like, yeah. dang, yeah, that was, I mean, you know, again, it was just like in your mind, it's going to come out perfect. And you're like, oh, dang, I really, you know, missed the ball with this one. I, 
I shot that air ball from the free throw line, you know? <laughs> Nobody was guarding me, but, I mean, you know, it just it happens, man. But you grow, you learn, and, you know, I think the other thing, you have to be able to take advice, man. You got you to gotta be able to take advice from people, when, even when you don't want to hear it. You got it because, man, somebody might give you a word and they're only saying it because they believe in you or, you know, they see something more for you. So don't, you know, write it off or, you know, feel like it's coming at you in a way that just kind of is, ah, man, they have to say it like that. You know, like you got to you got to really be mindful of, of being able to accept advice. So in a in an industry that is determined, you know, and so reliant, obviously, on you know consumer engagement what determines a win and a loss for you now i think it's not so so much about a sale it's more like a a general thought right so like if if i bring out something and it's just kind of lukewarm it's not necessarily a loss it's just they weren't ready for it or maybe there's the, the lesson behind it is this is not what they wanted at all. You know, you don't look at things like, man, I'll never do that again. Oh, you just got to then ask yourself, was this the right time? If it wasn't the right time, that's okay too. Like, man, it happens. It happens to the best of us. So, what would you say was the biggest risk you took? <laughs> Doing a basketball this year. Um, I think we did 350 units of the Spalding basketball. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, in the first day, we sold, like, 230, I think. Like, we talking about basketballs, man. And it was crazy because the week before, right, I went into Dick's Sporting Goods store. I just asked the dude, like, yo, how many basketballs do you think you guys sell, like, in a week? He was like, three? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you sell three basketballs in a week? He was like, yeah, man, we don't sell many at all. And then, you know, on the other end of that, here I was, I, I bought 350. Mm. <laughs> like, you talk about somebody that, that instantly gets sick to their stomach. Like, yeah, did I just make the dumbest mistake of my life? Or, you know, did I do something that now, on the back side of that, I sold 300 basketballs in a week. Right. Dick's Sporting Goods Store sells three. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just, that was very risky. and. Um, in the long run, like I said, it paid off. I've seen like those basketballs circulate like all over. Um, Spalding actually relaunched it with part of their like Christmas collection that they like reissued. Sold out before it even hit the website. Um, they had people on the website like hacking the back end of it just so they could buy the corporate basketball and the bait basketball, which is a bathing ape, which, you know, that's the most sought after product that they've ever had probably right. besides the Supreme basketball. So it's like, yo, y'all, y'all, y'all wanted my stuff too. That's cool. Right. <laughs> and that's to me was so <laughs> fascinating. Like, it's like, yeah, y'all, y'all had the website for my stuff. Oh, <laughs> it was interesting, right? Because, you know, exclusivity is always something that has been pushed and so prominent within sneaker culture. Right. And even something that at times can be viewed as elitist or very much so, uh, top dollar. So it's not something that can always have that trickle down effect and touch everybody. How are you then in turn to make it something that was also a philanthropic endeavor for you with bigger than sneakers? Uh, 
I mean, it just goes beyond just the sale of the sneaker, man. Like, if I'm only as good as my last release, there's going to be an off week, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, as a person, I just knew that if we were giving people something that they could, you know, be a part of without spending a dollar or, you know, being able to give back, like, that's the win-win. You know, you're you're not only having success, but you're sharing it. You know, a lot of people don't understand how valuable it is to share your success with people. Like, and even me, like, sometimes I, I don't do enough of it. Like, because, you know, I don't want nobody to think I'm boasting or bragging, but I really just, I don't know. I never, I never saw that example of somebody just telling you about it, like, locally and then, you know, sharing. Like, you know, the older guys that own shops and, you know, they were very hard to break through on. Like, they they just showed me success, but they didn't share it with me. They didn't, you know, give me the game. I had to, you know, watch it and observe it. And then once I became, you know, a little bit better and a little bit wiser and a little bit, you know, they, they saw I, I hit 10 years and then it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to accept this guy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so it, it's just different, man. And, you know, BTS means a lot to me because it's like, it ain't about shoes at all. Like life ain't about just shoes. Right. Like if it's just about shoes, then dang it, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not nobody. Hmm. Because there's guys with a million more pairs than me, or there's guys that have stuff, you know, to offer that I can't, and that's okay. But you know, for me, BCS is just like, man, I, I'm gonna find that next guy that just they want something more. They're gonna you know, go even harder for what they want. I'm going to find it, man. And, you know, if I have any any type of um, influence, you know, hopefully it's, it's going to make them even better, man. Do you identify more as a creator or a businessman? <clears throat> um, right now, I would say more of a businessman because... You have to know the game to be able to play it, even to be creative. So I'm getting better at being a businessman than just trying to be creative. I'm getting way better at it. And what do you think that the discipline of the business aspect does to help balance your creative aspect that at times can allow for you to, you know, maybe stray away from the confines of what people you know, envision when you say the business side of it? Um, because I think a lot of people just kind of come at you with, oh, let's create something good. Let's do that. But it's like, if the numbers don't work and how can they take that risk or how can they even believe in it? You know, when you can put, you know, fact behind what you're saying, then now you're having a conversation. It's not just, you know, like the line in Tommy Boy where it's like, you take what you're worth for it. Uh, you can get a good look at the T-bone say by seeing your head up a fool's ass. Wouldn't you rather take the butcher's word for it? It's like, no, like, I'd rather also be able to tell you what the heck I'm talking about. Like, why I'm saying this. Why I come to the table and say, hey, you know, in Cincinnati, Ohio, we have a kid that believes in basketball, that loves basketball. So this is why we need to be leading the charge with basketball. Like, basketball 
you know, resonates to a kid that can't play basketball, to a kid that, you know, watch Spider-Man and sees, uh, the, the kid, the la the, the cartoon guy, what was his name? Um, Morales, Miles, Miles, uh, Miles, Miles, Morales. Yeah. And he sees him wearing a Jordan one, you know? So it's like, man, even bigger than just athletes. Now you have gamers, you know, you have all these guys getting into this footwear thing. So now I can tell you, you know, my reach extends beyond basketball. Yeah. And that's the way it should. What would you say has been the most impactful conversation you've had with a mentor of yours and why? Uh, uh, most impactful of late, I would have to say, is actually not a conversation that I even had, but something that I heard a former mentor get told. And it would have to go around with, you know, if you're, if you're not getting the positive vibe, if you're not getting positive, um, you know, uh, positive energy for something, let it go. That's cool. I could do the same thing, right? And I should do the same thing to protect myself, protect my brand, protect, you know, what I'm giving out to people. And that's what I'm going to do, you know? Have you ever taken anything personal in business? Of course. Um, without a doubt. And then, you know, come to find out it was not a personal thing. It was just more of company initiative. And I was wrong and I had to apologize. Because that's bigger than just being, oh, well, whatever. You know, you got to, if you're wrong, it's time for us to all wear our big boy pants and acknowledge when we're wrong. Now, on the other side of that, it was personal in another situation, and I addressed it as personal. You know, you can't you can't let people um, treat you wrong and, and and always turn your cheek. You got to address things, man, because you don't want somebody to do that to you again and again. As somebody who's naturally competitive, how important are relationships? In business to you even more um it's like you know I, i'm in this group of guys that have not even a group i would say we're just friends you know we all see each other's businesses grow we see each other doing great things but at the end of the day like one of my guys gets something that i don't i don't take it personally i take it as a challenge Okay, he got to a new level. I'm ready to go to a new level. And that's how things are supposed to be. Like, we're not here to, you know, cry or do that. Like, no, I just want to get competitive. I want to be just as good. Like, that's that's the game plan, right? Get better. Let's get better together. Let's all work hard, and, you know, push each other when things ain't going right. And keep going, man. What motivates you day in and day out? Who or what motivate motivates you? Uh, first, first off, my you know my family, my wife. She motivates me every day from the time that I wake up to the time I go to sleep. She, you know, she's a workaholic just like me. She, she's working around the clock just like me. She's an entrepreneur, 
just like myself. And now it's like I have that person that is equally yoked to not only their profession, but, you know, in, in their walk, in their, um, in, in, in the house and everything. So that's like super cool for me. So I say my wife um, motivates me the most. Tattoo that you have, and what's the story behind it? Uh, most meaningful tattoo is I have um, statue. It's I can't remember where we actually found the statue from, but it's it's just a statue and it looks super cool. But it uh, underneath it it reads Romans ten nine, which is if you believe it with your heart, say it, speak it, and you know um, you shall be saved which I think is very important. Has your faith helped you handle success? Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to ask it that way. I had like a different way I was going to word it. And I was like, nah, I'll just roll with it this way. Um, yeah. How has your faith walk helped you balance your success? Um, it's pretty good you to ask that because yesterday I was reminded. So as I stood there with my pastor, um, on Sundays I serve as a liaison to my pastor and he pulls me aside and he, he simply whispered to me like, there was a time when I walked into my into this church and there were 60 people, maybe. There was a time that I didn't have a computer screen, I didn't have display screens, I didn't have even you know somebody that was off the stage that helped me. I had to do it, but I always had the vision of this is what I was going to have. And he said, every Sunday when, you know, this service gets started and this church is filled, I never take that for granted. And he was like, it's the same thing with anything that you do with God. Never take anything for granted that you have because of success. And man, he said it at the perfect time because it's like we look at things like I looked at, okay, on Saturday I looked at this table and it was filled with all these shoes that are 100% going to sell out. And I just remembered right then and there the time that I didn't even have 12 shoes that would sell out. And now I literally was looking at a table of 250 shoes that I know are going to be sold. 100%. And I just said, I just thank God. Like, I literally was just like, God, like, like you did this. Like, you're doing this. This is what we have because of you, man. But what initially led you on to your faith walk? Um, being at a low point and having to do something different. Like, you know, when you can only go so far by yourself, you know, you you try to figure out what, what you're missing. Right. Like only I said, you know, just because was this something you were introduced to? Was it something you were, was it something you saw within yourself that said, man, I need to get that addressed or what, what brought you to it? Yeah. I mean, family, um, first, you know, uh, the only person that really encouraged my faith growing up was my grandmother. And, um, when I lost her, and 07, you know, it's kind of like only thing that I really did was I prayed when I needed something. I wasn't consistent in my prayers. But then, 
you know, um, having a sister, like, that helped. And she, she kind of pushed that on me a little bit more. And she just would always tell me, she prayed for me, and she wanted me to, um, you know, do it in my time. Like, I would know the time when I needed to, you know, go a different uh, direction. And, you know, being encouraged that way helped with my faith and not being, you know, pressured into things and being like, oh, you got to do this. No, I was going to do it on my time. And then that helped. So in regards to, you know, your platform, your influence, and, you know, when people see you out and about in the community now, you know, because you do have that recognition, what are three things that linger in the back of your mind whenever you're out and about in public? Uh, I just hope that anybody that I come across just always has the right intent to. Like, I know my intentions for every day, and I just hope that you know everybody else's intentions are set too. Like, you know, I don't need nothing negative. I don't need nothing to ever feel like somebody has to take it from me. So I just always, that's just like my daily prayer. Like, let my intentions be right. Let their intentions be right, whoever I come across. Absolutely, man. Well, bro, I appreciate you coming on, man. And, you know, is there anything in which you would like to share before, you know, we, we end this thing? Not at all, man. Um, just, you know, any anytime I always encourage anybody that listens to anything that I have to say, it's like, hey, man, reach out. If there's anything that I can, you know, tell you about or give you, you know, any type of words of encouragement, like, just know that, like, man, that's that's what I'm here for. Like, I, I ask to be used in my prayers, and I hope that, you know, I, I fulfill that or, you know, do it and not just ask for it and then don't do it. Absolutely, man. All right, well, I, I hate to even ask this question on the hills of, you know, speaking so, you know, maybe getting into our faith talking walk, but um, before I let you go, man, one last random question before we close this thing out. Um, who made the playlist at my bachelor party? No idea. Okay, because it played <laughs> a lot of DMX, man, and I just have always had that question, and I knew that couldn't have come from you. Uh, yeah, I played the full time. <laughs> ah, my guy, easy. Love you, bro. Thank you again for coming I, on, I, man. Take care, I bro. Dream. I, 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 peace.